Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. How's everybody doing? Man, it's great to be together. It's great to be worshiping the Lord. Um, that song, we, that third song we just sang, I, I, I love Aaron for so many reasons. And, uh, but one reason was the other day we were texting just some different, I found some old Matt Redman song I was all pumped up about, and, uh, which is, really has a great line, you should be the praise of every tongue, Jesus, you should be the joy of every heart. <laughs> just, but then he had one back for me. It was this new, it was this new upper room. Tune. What's the name of it? Keep my heart tender. Isn't that great? You know, I mean, it does take some. I was feeling kind of empty that day, and it takes some faith to say, I want to be spilled out. I want to be spilled out, you know, because what we can trust in is that the Lord will fill us up again. What I love about Aaron is he said, This is my song right now for 2020. You know, that's, that's who's 2022. We're so done. We're so done. Oh, my goodness. Ah. Thank you. Good catch. 2022. Yeah. Oh, what's scary is I wrote down 2020. It's right there. Oh, man. But I love that about you, Aaron. You're a great worship leader. You, you lead us well, and just, just he's an integral part of our family and the body here, and it just makes the trust so high, you know, that we're being led like that. I want to thank Jason Cox, who preached a couple weeks ago, did a great job, man, and I encourage you to listen to that message. I mean, it's, it's about praying the, the, the Lord's Prayer. And it's one of those things, like it's devotional in a way, because it just, he's helping to facilitate all those different uh, prayer points, which are really prayer doorways into a, just a, you know, a broad continent of how to pray. And so thank you. And then thank you, Todd Knight, for preaching last week. Um, yeah, I brought the word on hope again. And uh, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I, that word was for me. Personally, I was sitting there on the front row just... Just, just being wrecked by that word and, and all the little smileys and emoticons, emojis. <laughs> I did tell him, I said, maybe we need emojis every week, you know, um, to help. But it was good. And I, I know that I needed it. I think you guys probably did too. It's, we're in a season where we need help in hope, right? Oh, we all do. I, I don't know that there's probably many weeks that go by that I don't need or whoever's up here doesn't need to be saying something about hope. I mean, because we just, we, we need encouragement just week in and week out. You know, I, you guys have, by now, if you're newer, you don't know that I actually have a birthmark right here on the side of my body and it's a big bullseye. And it was, God gave me that for encouragement for you guys to see that spot and to come bring me encouragement. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. It's... <laughs> It's kind of a spoof on far side, but, um, you know, bummer, bummer birthmark. But this is an encouraging one. I'm working my way into actual notes on this. The reason why we need hope, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. I heard it. Um, thank you, Jesus. Is because life is messy. Can I get a witness? 
Life is messy. Life, life is hard sometimes, and we're in a battle, and we're learning about spiritual warfare. I think that probably every generation has to learn about spiritual warfare. We have to learn to speak the truths of God in our generation. So I've, I'm having to learn that. You're having to learn that. You're going to have to learn how to say it in ways that, that you can say it. Young adults, you have to learn to say it in ways that your generation can hear it so that you can hear it and it can be heard in your generation. That's just the way it is because we are living in times where we're going to be tempted to believe lies. To the, the enemy's coming at us with lies, with deception, temptations to judge, to be angry, to develop strongholds, to give in to bad choices, to develop addictions. I'm just saying maybe, right? Same, same old stuff, deceptive ideas that play to disordered desires in our lives and are normalized in a fallen world. That's what's going on you know, all the time. And so we need Jesus. Right now, uh, Barna, a couple of years ago, uh, stat, committed Christians take, uh, take in nearly 3,000 hours of media and only 150 of that is spiritual related. The, the reason I'm telling that stat is because we are gonna be shaped by the dominant narrative that we participate in. We're, we're just always being shaped by what is our main story. And that's why we talk over and over again about God's story and American story being down here. And so it, on, in the middle of February, we're going to start a series on the big story so that we will just continually, we're going to take 12 weeks and align ourselves to the, to the narrative, to the story of God, and really just immerse ourselves so that we'll jump in in a deep dive way. Uh, be, right now, we're living in a time where people are moving away from the body of Christ in, in droves, moving away from in droves. And by when we do that, we move away from the one another's, we move away from the encouragement, we move away from the building up of one another, we move away from the hope and love and peace and joy and encouragement that comes from being together. We can't make it alone, we were never made to make it alone. We were made to function and to be a part of the body of Christ. I mean, for 20 25 years, I've been preaching the gospel of the kingdom and flying this, this flag, flying this flag and saying, it's about Jesus and his kingship and his lordship to believe in the gospel is to come out of one kingdom of darkness and come into light, to come out of death and come into life, to come out of to self-rule and come under the reign and rule of Jesus Christ. And I remember saying back then, you know, 80% of Americans were identifying themselves as Christian, but only 10% had even in any margin a biblical worldview and were trying to live as disciples of Christ. Now, the only thing that's happened between then and now, the numbers are the same, but droves are leading, leaving because the cultural Christianity isn't, isn't working anymore. So it's just, it's, it's exposing what was already there. I, I was, we were all talking about it, but now it's clearer. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ or are you not? And so, and I'm happy, I'm not upset. It's just, but we wanna be clear. I, I'm pastoral, I'm loving about this. Uh, but the numbers are becoming clearer and the call has always been from Jesus to follow him 
to believe in him in a way that is an all-of-life believing. It's an all-of-life thinking, heart, decision, not, ca- not casual in the sense of it doesn't affect different parts of my life. It affects all of my life. That's the call that Jesus has for us is to be disciples and to order all of our lives around him. And part of what's needed is for us here to be the church of Jesus Christ. Just that's what we that's how we start. We said, Jesus, you're the head of the church, lead us. And our mission is to be the church of Jesus Christ. I, you know, I just thought all those years, by the way, Friday was 29, it was our 29th year anniversary as a church. We met in a home 29 years ago on January 7th. And uh, so, but it was just like, if we could just be the church, we, we, we don't know about all the trends and things that are going to happen, but if we could be the church, this one part of this one worldwide multi-ethnic family, uh, all, the, all the stuff there, um, if we could do that, you know, we'd, we'd change the world, or we'd at least change our part of the world where we have an influence and a say-so. And our mission, part of our mission is being distinct enough from the world that we're not considered merged into it or isolated from it. And that's Trinity. That's in the image of God. Unity with distinction. In the same, we want to have that kind of distinction from the world. Larry Hurtado is a famous uh, Christian historian. He wrote a bunch. He died in 2019, was emeritus from Edinburgh or somewhere over in England, and uh, wrote a bunch of books on the history of the church, the first century history of the church. And over time, over 35 years, I was reading this book called Honoring the Son. One of the things he talked about was that the most distinctive factor of the early church, the thing that just was the most distinctive factor right off the bat was that they worshiped Jesus. Like these Jewish guys suddenly worshiping Jesus as equal with God. Isn't that amazing? One of the other things he talked about in this book called The Destroyer of Gods was that the early church, by being the church, actually ended up wiping out the Roman pantheon of gods by just being faithful to who they were called to be. Isn't that powerful? And so I'm actually going to put these five things up on the screen. You'll just see, see those if you're online. But uh, I want to read through these. And, and, you know, what's interesting about this list is that two are kind of traditionally considered on one side of the political spectrum. Two are considered on the other side of the political spectrum. And the last one, nobody really wants to own at all. The church was multiracial and multi-ethnic with a high value for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Isn't that great? That's the early church. The church spread across socioeconomic lines as well, and there was a high value for caring for the poor. Those with extra were expected to share it with those with less. Amen. Right? Amen. It was staunch in its active resistance to infanticide and abortion. Isn't that powerful? I mean, that was a thing in the first century. If you didn't want the baby, you just left it out. It was resolute in its vision of marriage and sexuality as between one man and one woman for life. First century church. It was nonviolent, both on a personal level and a political level. Isn't that powerful? It was really the first 300 years. It wasn't until the church was until... Uh, the, the Roman Empire was declared Christian 
that we then, you know, kind of lined up more on the military side of things, being willing to kill people, which our call is to actually not just love people, but love our enemies. Amens are flying in the room right now as I tell about the early church. (laughs) Um, So back to hope and the word for us. Uh, 2020, I am talking about 2020 now, was incredibly difficult, right? It was hard. And I remember last year going, good, wow. Okay, 2020's over, looking forward to 2021. But then, I mean, I've been talking with a bunch of you guys, and, you know, 2021 was hard. Can I get a, just a glory wave from a couple? It was hard, man, you know, and so it's been hard. And so we are, we are going to deeper places in our hearts and in our lives. The Lord uses trials in our lives uh, to, to help us to go deeper in the Lord. And I'm sensing that in my own heart. I mean, I was in a battle, man, last week. Just, it was, it was crazy. And, you know, it's, you know, spiritual warfare, when you hear a voice that, like, if you said it out loud, you'd go, well, that's a lie. But it's the middle of the night, you're up for hours, you can't sleep, and you're hearing that stuff, and you're not, and you won't be, and it, just all that. Ugh, it was so, it, it, was, it was rough. And so part of our thought here is uh, we've got a prayer and fasting time that we do at the beginning of each semester. Y'all know that. And so that's coming up February, excuse me, uh, January 31st, 1st, and 2nd. But then alongside that, the Antioch movement is also issuing a call to prayer. There is just movement-wide. There's just new initiatives and things. The Lord is opening doors for us, but we need prayer. We need the boiler room of prayer to ignite the power in, in our lives that, for, that powers the ship forward, as it were. And so uh, these prayer, four prayer points. So what we're going to do is we're going to start praying on Wednesday. They're actually starting today down in Waco and other parts of the world. But we're starting on Wednesday because we already had three days of prayer scheduled for January 31st, February 1st, and 2nd. And so we're just starting three days later, going to finish Three days later. Does that make sense? So that last three days is prayer and fasting, no food by the grace of God, if you're into that. Uh, but in these next 22 days, I mean, let's experiment. I, you know, Kim and I do a day a week, but we're going to do more. Um, we're going to do TV. We're gonna, we've got a couple other things, but pull back from something that will actually help you and remind you that to, in this time, we're gonna pray and we're gonna seek the Lord. Here's four key points for the movement. Strengthen the pegs, get healthy, stay healthy. That Isaiah 54 has been a huge passage for us. Number two, ignite a movement-wide boiler room of worship and intercession. So, I mean, in these, we're starting, I think, three extra prayer meetings, worship times, worship meeting here next Friday. We're going to finish our prayer and fasting time with worship and prayer. We'll have a bunch of extra prayer meetings going. It'll be like, there, you want to press into the Lord? We're going to create opportunities for us to press into the Lord together. Ignite a movement-wide boiler room. Three, empower the next generation This is huge that we empower and we say, okay, come on, let's go. Let's be disciple. Let's walk with the Lord together. Let's create space for the next generation. And number four, repurpose for mission. The things that have been just kind of our comforts and all of those kind of things, like we need to say, hey, 
Let's walk with the Lord together. Let's be on purpose and on mission together. So we're jumping in with prayer, with the movement, and we know that our own family needs this kind of time together. Uh, We were meeting last Tuesday night. We had elder couples getting together for prayer up here, and uh, we got some words uh, for, you know, so let me say it this way. Those are words for the movement, the larger family that we're a part of, but we also need words for us as the church here. That's healthy. You know, we're not merging in and just being only that, but we're also not isolating out and staying over here. We're connected, our words, it's just like healthy family, it's the, again, image of God, is that we would be one with distinction. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so we want words ourselves, and, and we got four words the other night in prayer, and up until Friday, middle of Friday, I was, I was intent on, pre- on preaching all four of those words today. And, and Kim said, you know, maybe just, you think maybe you ought to just, those ought to be like four weeks. It just seems like this sermon's going to go on forever. <laughs> and so y'all think Kim right now. <laughs> this first word, which is this sermon, and not all these words, but this first word is beholding Jesus. Yeah, Paul's been having this word like, I just see beholding Jesus for 2022. And I'm like, amen, beholding Jesus. Here's our key passage, chapter three of 2 Corinthians. And actually, we're gonna do a flyover of 2 Corinthians in just a minute, but this is the kind of the key passage. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, this is 2 Corinthians 3, 16. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Come on. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, who comes from the, the, the Lord, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So I've said this before, I'm gonna keep saying it, get a good look at me. <laughs> I'm changing. It's a promise. I'm becoming more like Jesus by faith and by his grace, right? So uh, the main thing then today is that God is calling us to behold Jesus and to become like him as we practice the way together. Now, the way is, is that's our faith. That's referred to several times in Acts. Uh, the Christians are called the way, Right? So as we practice the way together, and I want to pull just a few lessons together on this from 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, uh, N.T. Wright in his great book, Paul, A Biography, talks about Paul and 2 Corinthians, and he says, look, this may be the most pastoral of the New Testament letters, the most authentically vulnerable. He's hurting. He talks about despairing even of life. And he's got these lists where it's just like, it's bad, it's bad, it's really bad. You know, it's bad, I've suffered, I've done all this stuff. And, and then other places where he, where he does that and lays that out there. And so almost beyond our ability to endure. And because of knowing that about 2 Corinthians, I found myself in the last month in 2 Corinthians a bunch. Anybody? It's like, you need some encouragement? You struggling? You weary? 
despairing any. Anybody, any, any despair? You don't have to raise your hands. But, uh, but this is a good place to go. So let's just look at a few lessons here. For, and, I'm, and again, it's 10 points. Don't be intimidated. It's a flyover. But the first one is this. And we just keep the beholding and becoming thing in our minds as we do this. The first one, first lesson is that God comforts us so that we can comfort others. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, like names of God, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. So, I mean, part of why that's good news and looking to the Lord is we need to know that the Father is a Father of compassion. We need that. That's part of the revelation of Jesus Christ to us in the revelation of God. So he reveals God to us. He's the perfect, he's the mediator, the perfect representative of God, and he perfectly represents us in his perfect response back to God. What we couldn't do, Jesus does. Isn't that good news? (laughs) Ah, I've just been thinking about that Trinitarian incarnational all during the holidays and the break and reading like crazy. Just, and Kim has to listen to it over and over. It's like, oh, this is incredible. But it is incredible that Jesus comes as the shepherd who has compassion on the sheep. We can't help ourselves. What a beautiful revelation of the Father's heart, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. Like one of God's names, the God of all comfort. Come on. Like we, we need that word. God comforts us so that we can receive it and so that we can give it. You know, and I mean, that's the challenging part of that song. You know, I want to be spilled out. It's like, I'm just trying to get enough to, so my tank will, and I can make it sometimes. Anybody else? Please don't leave me hanging. And, and I feel that way sometimes, and yet that's the promise is that God's going to comfort us so that we'll have comfort to give to others. Even when Paul's struggling. I mean, there's so much struggle, autobiographical, as you go on through that. The second point, second lesson we're beholding and becoming him is that God's promises are yes in Christ Jesus. Chapter 1, verse 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, The amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Okay, he makes us stand. He's anointed us. It's his seal of ownership on us, the spirit guaranteeing all of this. And he's the one who gives us the power to say yes to his promises. And he's gonna bring light, I promise, into this room. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Don't know what happened there. Just trying to keep you with me. So think about this. Like no matter how many promises he's made, they're yes in Christ Jesus. They're they're yes. Okay, so so the thing about God's righteousness is that he is, this is it. This is the definition of his righteousness is that he's faithful to his covenant promises. God is faithful. Even when we're faithless, he's faithful. God is faithful to his covenant promise. No matter how many promises he's made, they're yes in Christ. Wow. And so then our faith is a participation in his faith. We look at his faithfulness and yes, 
Yes, and, and in a real kind of way, it's like his faith. You know, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. It's like he's believing with us. And I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me in the life. I live in the body. I live in the, there's faith in the faithfulness of the Son of God. He's done it. He, he's made it happen. Faith in the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's Galatians 2.20. Just, so, so his promises are yes in Christ Jesus um, yeah, I just, I, I, how much to say? Uh, one more. The grace that we have, like us trusting in the Lord isn't, isn't changing his mind about us. So, so when we repent and we turn to the Lord and we say, yes, Lord, we believe, that's, that's, a, that's because of what he's done for us. So I don't do that and then God goes, okay, now, now I'm going to let you in. Now, now that's the way it works. It's actually evangelical, not in the sense of politically left or right, but it's evangelical. It, he evangelizes our own hearts by what he's done for us in Christ. It's an evangelical repentance and response that says, yes, Lord, not to turn his heart toward us, which is already toward us. Like he's the sun shining in its brilliance. And just because we're blind doesn't mean the sun's not shining on us. Moving on. Okay, his promises are yes in Christ. And then the third lesson here is that we share in grief and trials together. The amens are flying. So basically, somebody had sinned pretty grievously in 1 Corinthians. Guy was living with his father's wife. And so he's like, hey, you got to stop this. That's sin. It's wrong. And look at chapter 2, verse 5. If anyone's caused grief, that guy... He has not so much caused me grief as he has grieved all of you to some extent, not to put it too severely. And I wrote down in my margin there, I don't know when, this is a pretty new Bible, but I had written down at some point systems theory. And the idea there is that when one of us is grieving, we're a whole as a family, Antioch, Fort Worth. We're a whole. And when one of us is going through a hard time, we feel it. You know, when I'm struggling, you know, we feel it and people are reaching out to try to encourage and people that have a little more or have a little more margin or have some encouragement in them, reach out and encourage others. Those who are more mature among us need to be peaceful, a peaceful presence in the midst of grief and trials and anxiety. And yet we all get down because we're a whole. And so that's, I, I, I just want to make that point there is that when we're going through trials we all feel it together. And so we've felt it. And so the key then is to find our peace in the Lord, and he's gonna give us peace, and then share that with others. The fourth one is that we're victorious. Fourth lesson, we're victorious in Christ together. Chapter two, verse 14, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. So the picture there is like a victorious uh, general or king who's leading a victory procession, and these are like the captives behind. But think about us. Jesus has won the victory over sin and death and darkness and the devil, and we are going in behind him, you know, <laughs> in, in the victory parade. You're going behind Jesus. He leads us in victory 
to get to, to, together through times of trial, we remember that beholding him, our king and Lord, is shaping us and forming us. Another one, another lesson here is that we, our competence comes from God. Anybody need this word? Chapter three, verse four. Such confidence that we have through, is the confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. I cannot, uh, I remember early on in ministry, struggling because you don't know what to do as your pastor, your minister, you don't know what to do. There's people that have needs and things, and I, and I was supposed to speak somewhere, and I just happened to be with an older brother who was a pastor, and I said, I don't know what to do. I, 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 I'm overwhelmed right now. He said, that's all right. Here's the verse for you, and he pointed me to this verse, and I've never forgotten it, that my, that's, my confidence isn't because I know what to do. In fact, I'm less confident about just let me hit plug and play or let me share with you the greatest hits of Jamie. I'm much more confident about being in a room of prayer with brothers and sisters and we get the word of the Lord or we get a sense of what he's doing. Our confidence comes from the Lord and letting him have the word into the the situation. So our confidence comes from the Lord. Now, granted, we are all more comfortable when we know what's coming right? Like just you're, you're, you're better if you've done the double cross pop over and you, 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 if you've done that before, but, but then sometimes we just have to, Lord, I'm trusting you. Did <laughs> you say make it rain? <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. Just so you know, there's nothing in the parentheses here that says do the basketball stuff. It's just, it's just free. Yes, it was a long, long, long time ago. Um, okay, number six. We contemplate the Lord's glory together. And this is the passage that we read. And this is, I just, this should be a place that we just keep coming back to as a people this year. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, this is we contemplate the Lord's glory together. And whenever anyone turns to the Lord, and again, when you start praying scripture like this, you're going to see like, man, this just so when I'm turning to the Lord, that's the way the promise works. Turn to the Lord. Just turn to Jesus. And the promise is the veil's removed. And you'll see more. And you'll see more. When anyone turns, the veil's removed. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate, dwell on, behold the Lord's glory are being transformed. Metamorpho is the Greek word there, where we get metamorphosis from. We are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So, so that's that promise for us. When we turn, there's an unveiling that happens, beholding and becoming. I've got a, a pastor friend. I don't know if he would have any reason to watch this, John Brown, a mentor for many years, and he would always give me these books. You know, I, I, I always act like I've got a trench coat, and he's kind of, hey, you're ready for this one, I think. And, and, but Beholding and Becoming was one of those books, and I got it from him early on. It, I found out it's still in print. So beholding and becoming, you know, that's one of those books that's like 
the practice of the presence of God. You know, there's some books, that, not all books are equal. And some books, like we used to give away for the first 10 or 15 years of the church, if you became a member here, you got a copy of the practice of the presence of God. Because I just thought, man, if you could get people to do that, it's like teaching them to fish. Rather than here's a fish, you know, learning to practice the presence of God. And Beholding and Becoming is one of those kind of books. It touches on some of the great, uh, you know, people from history that, that learned those truths. Jean Guion, Madame Guion and Brother Lawrence and Michael Molinas and Francis Fenelon and those guys that impacted us so much in the early days of the church. Um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, my tanks, I think, were empty last week. I, I was believing some lies and stuff and just was, it was, it was hard. And I got some, but Tuesday morning I had a breakthrough. And I just was doing a simple just stillness before Jesus, before the Lord, and I wasn't even asking him to speak to me. And I just got still, was looking to Jesus, and immediately I heard, can your emptiness outlast my fullness? And I just, I was like, and I, I, I knew it was the Lord. I don't know if it's the Lord for, I think it's, I think it's maybe for us. Can your emptiness outlast my fullness? I said, Lord, give me a couple scriptures. What Psalm, in Psalm 1611 came to mind. In your presence is the fullness of joy. Ephesians 319, you'll be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And it connects with this song again. I want to be spilled out, and he wants to fill us up. Can your emptiness outlast my fullness? And then I started asking these other questions, you know, that just fit, you know, that I felt like he... He was asking through me, can your pain outlast my healing? Can your brokenness outlast my mending? Can your guilt outlast my forgiveness? Can your shame outlast my mercy? I mean, we just go on because, and, and, and I just happened after that to look up ever. Somehow I looked up ever on my search engine for the scriptures and just look up ever sometime, forever. All the things that are everlasting his love is everlasting. His mercy is everlasting because that's immutably who he is before creation is love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's no turning or end to that. We'll talk about it next week. Oh, it's, it's just, it's glorious. Yeah, it's glorious. It's glorious good news. And that's the word for next week is overflowing. See how I couldn't put all this into one message. Um, am I done there? that help? Yeah. Can your emptiness outlast my fullness? I've just been chewing on that. Like, no, Lord, you're, you're enough. You're enough. Even when I'm spilled out, you're enough. The next one there is that we preach Jesus Christ as Lord. Yeah. Verse four of chapter four, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. We want the veil removed. Turning to the Lord, the veil removed. The glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Behold him. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God has said, let light shine out of darkness. That's the command of creation. It's now the, the command of new creation. Let light shine out of darkness. 
made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus Christ. Again, you guys, there is no God behind the back of the God that Jesus reveals. There's no greater revelation than the revelation of God in Jesus Christ. I mean, he, this is the self-revelation of God. And there's all kinds of ways we can mess that up or just get off in our own. Or even you look at the characters of the Bible and stuff. But there's, that's why everything is evaluated, weighed, and looked at through the lens of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He is the revelation of God. And so we preach Jesus Christ is Lord and the glory of the gospel that's in his face. That is the God that is reality. Yeah. I, you know, I, um, just a minute ago, we were having communion and Kim looked at my, uh, she looked at my, uh, I opened the crackers, I opened the crackers and, and mine had three in it. She goes, oh, yours has three in it. And she was kind of like, we were joking. And then she opened hers, and hers had two in it. And I was like, awesome. And I held my hand up like this, and I said, homoousius topatri, hypostatic union, perichoresis, right here in this time of communion, which is the one being of God in three persons and the two natures of Jesus. Whenever you see this, by the way, in some old icon or picture, that's what Jesus is doing. He's talking about the hypostatic union of fully God, fully man, and the three persons of the Trinity in one. <laughs> that, that, that was our communion time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, man, it's such good news. Okay, so preaching Jesus, you are the Lord. We have this, okay, here we are, back to reality again, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. You know, we're broken. We're, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all-surpassing powers from God and not from us. We're pressed but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. I mean, so the point is we are fragile, but we keep going. We're pressed, but we keep going. We're, we're, we, we go through trials, we're groaning, but we have a new heavenly resurrection body coming, right? To be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. And there is a resurrection that's coming. Number nine, in Christ, we are the new creation. So he, verse 14, I'm almost done. Verse 14, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. Just underline that, the one for the many. One died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised for them. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. And so we are in Christ, we are new creation. What he's done, he's done on behalf of all of us to bring new life, to bring a new creation, to, to right what was wrong, to bring back lost, broken people into the Father's heart. And this is the good news of the gospel. And that's what Jesus Christ has done for us. And now we are, the last one there, is ministers of reconciliation, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He was in Christ reconciling the world. And so we get to participate in that. We want to be a reconciled people to God and to each other and a reconciling people to the world around us by proclaiming 
the good news of Jesus. If you were to keep going on through the letter, chapter six and seven, it's hard out there. There's trials, so don't fall for idols. Chapter eight, chapter nine, be generous, be willing to give. We've talked about these things in the last year or two. You know, in chapter 10, there's strongholds. Don't let them get into your lives, but take every thought captive for Christ. Stay in pure and simple devotion to Christ. Understand what your metron is, your sphere of influence, and walk in that underneath the Lord's authority. That's what he's saying in chapter 10. Chapter nine, you know, understand your sphere of authority. So like when we're interacting with the world wide web through social media, under, what is my sphere of authority? You know, is it, is it influencing the, the world? Or is it maybe I can focus a little tighter and God will increase that over time as I'm faithful in what he has given me to be faithful with. So just huge. Um, anything else? Yeah, if you just finish chapter 12, chapter 13, he finishes with this exhortation. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test, but check this out. It's, this is rhetorical on Paul's part, unless you fail the test. And I trust that you will discover that you have not failed the test. So Jesus is alive in us. He makes his home in us. We behold him and we become like him because we're being transformed, not just from the outside in, but from the inside out. And may the God the grace of our Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So our, our heart here as we jump into 2022 is that the Lord is calling us to behold Jesus, to become like him. And when we do that, it brings hope. Somebody had a word for me. I, was, I said I was struggling on Tuesday and the word was keep your eyes on 30, Psalm 33 verse 18. The eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him whose hope is in his unfailing love. Now, so, so let me just pull this together by saying, why is this so important, what we've been talking about here? People need to see Jesus. People need to see Jesus. People need to see Jesus. And part of the way Jesus is revealed is through the hard things that we go through by faithfully looking to him. That's what Paul said in first, uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, 25, is that there's stuff that we go through that is still revealing the sufferings of Christ. Not in a way that's justifying people, but it's helping them to see what Jesus is really like. People need to see Jesus, is what I'm saying. That's why this is so important, and being faithful, turning to Jesus, beholding him, becoming like him. People need to see that God heals broken hearts and gives hope in the midst of hard, hard stuff. People need to see that. They need to see authenticity. They need to see reality. You know, it's, it's amazing how many times people that don't know me say, wow, thanks for being so real. You know, of course, it, it, there's a, it's a mix. It's a complisult in a, in a way because it's like I was assuming that you're not, you know, it, but the reality is everybody needs to hear somebody else saying, hey, this is what life is really like. It's, it's hard. It, it's hard sometimes. And I don't just bound from one mountain peak to the next. And you don't either. That's why we needed that word from Todd on hope. We need the body coming together and leaning and turning toward each other right now more than ever. 
This is important. It's an important, it's important because it's an important time in our culture to press into Jesus and to behold him. We cannot make it on 3,000 hours of media that's whatever the story is out there and, you know, throwing Jesus some bones with our time. We can't, we just can't make it. He is inviting us to realign ourselves at the beginning of 2022. He's inviting us. It's a new year. It's a new change. There's a new power, new energy, new grace. It always is new grace at the start of the year for that. And, but it's going to take time. It's going to take time and focus. And I can't fill the jar up with whatever just comes in front of me. And, you know, we all do this. I, you know, just uh, Here's a common one for everybody. Everybody knows what it's like to, you're going to go on the internet for something and you're just distracted. You forget what you were going to do even. I, I do that going, walking across the house. And I have to re-go back to where I was and then see the whatever it was. And then I remember why I went back over there. And I know I'm not alone. <laughs> right? And so we, we, need, uh, we need to get the big rocks in the jar here at the beginning of the year. And that's how prayer and worship's gonna, it's gonna help us prioritize. It's gonna help us hear the Lord together. I just, I, you know, whether it's being with James or the elders or Micah or our team, you know, just being with Ken, I hear better together. I, I hear better with others. In fact, I was going through this, some ideas about this message, and she, she, yesterday she goes, why is this so important? And so this, this was like the sharpening of Kim, who's preaching along in her very uh, demure, whatever the word is, uh, quiet kind of way. Um, we, we need the big rocks in the jar. Um, and I, this, this piece is really important. We do it for ourselves, but we are not just doing it for ourselves. We are doing it for the next generation. So Joe and Lisa got a bunch of kids, and they're not just doing it for themselves. They're doing it for the next generation, right? For Mason, Reagan, and Rose. And we're, for grandkids, for Harper, and for Liv, and for Scarlett, right? We're doing it for the, and Jesus is going to build his church, whether we join him or not. It will go on, and nothing will stop the increase of his government and peace. But he's inviting us to join him in 2022. We won't do it perfectly, and that's all right. I don't do it perfectly, but, but you encourage me. And we keep going together. We do it together. Yep. The body of Christ, the people of God on the mission of God for the glory of God. And we want to this year behold him and to become like him as we practice the way together, right? That's who we are. Let's stand up. Worship team, come on up. Let's take five minutes here just to respond to the Lord. Uh, prayer team, if you would come up as well. And we're just gonna just pray this in. Thanks for being patient today. Um, yeah, Father, I, I just pray just around the room, give us fresh eyes to see you, to, see, to behold Jesus, just even as we respond in prayer, whatever our need is, 
Lord, I, I pray that we would see Jesus in a fresh way, that this word would be a word for 2022, for, for Antioch, Fort Worth, as we're connected to the movement, as we're connected to the church in the city, as we're connected to the worldwide church, the church in America and around the world. Lord, that we would behold Jesus in this year. We would behold you. We would become like you. Give us fresh eyes, fresh vision for change for how we spend our time, for how we just live life as families and with our friends. And uh, I just pray right now for the word for hope, just because everybody needs hope. If there's healing places you need to respond to, if there's vision, beholding, becoming, man, let's, let's press in right now. Just say, yes, Lord, I'm in. And sometimes it's just getting somebody to agree with you. And then again, whatever other kind of needs you have, as always, please don't leave without getting somebody to pray for you. It could be just somebody right there beside. It could be somebody up here at the front. But let's press into the Lord. Meet us, Father, here as we move into 2022 with a vision to behold you and to become like you as we practice the way of Jesus together. You guys come, get prayer, press into the Lord. I want to grow. I want to be changed. Ever increasing glory, Lord. Whenever anyone turns, we're turning to you. Take the veil away. Reveal yourself. Yeah. Yeah, just be bold. Just, whether you're young in the Lord or old, be, be bold. Let's just go for it right now. Get prayer. Let's, it, it, if the front fills up, just pray with somebody, somebody that you know close by. Pray they would see Jesus. They would behold the Lord and become like Him. Be transformed. Metamorpho. Transformed. Yeah. We want to be like you. We want to be transformed. Jesus.